This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Genesis chapter 47. We're at the end of Genesis chapter 47. And we're dealing with the Israelites in Egypt. Israel is there. The whole family's there. And now they're going to dwell in the land. There's going to be a lot happen at the end of Genesis that has to do with Joseph and the future of Israel. And then you just parlay right into Exodus and them being ultimately enslaved in Egypt. And that is the important story that takes place as you study through as you study through the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus. Remember, the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they are important because Moses really lays out the plan of God. And like I said, the plan of God revolves around and the picture of God's plan for all of humanity revolve around this picture of the children of Israel being enslaved in Egypt, God's chosen people, the people that God is going to deliver, they are enslaved in Egypt, and then God's method, plan, and execution of his deliverance of them from Egypt. And that picture, that overarching picture that we begin with Abraham and ultimately ends with Joshua and them entering the promised land and all that takes place in the promised land after that is the overarching picture of God's work, not only in the world, but God's work in individual believers. And that's why the Old Testament is so important, because those Old Testament pictures are such a guide, such an easy way to take a story, event, and make application to our own personal lives, because God led that to happen. God made it happen so that When you look at it, you can see the direct correlation to how you live and the world you live in and God's work in your own personal life. And I'm going to say that a lot over the next several months or maybe even years because Exodus is almost as long as Genesis. We're going to spend a lot of time dealing with this beautiful story and this story of importance because without it, you don't really get what exactly God is doing through Jesus. You you can, but you don't really get the fullness and the richness of it because you miss out on the picture of Jesus doing that work individually and uniquely in your own life. It says, so Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt. That's verse 27. And I think that's important. And we do live in the world. We are God's people in the world. And he went down to Egypt and lived there. He's going to live there 17 years, we're going to see in just a minute. He lives there. We live in this world. We can't escape it. We can't we can escape it, but uh, 
our escape from this world is one of a permanence, and, and it misses out on God's plan for us in this world. Listen, heaven's easy. And when I say heaven's easy, heaven's easy because there are no sorrows, there are no wars, there are no pain, there is no pain, there is no loss. Uh, all there is God's very best, and you're not struggling against yourself, you're not struggling against your own heart, your own mind, you're not struggling against your own will. You're in the middle of God's will. You desire God's will. You you want it. You want to walk in it. You want to see God's plan. And you walk in the full power of the Holy Spirit uh, as Jesus did. And that, that doesn't cause any difficulty or any struggle. But in this world, you will have struggle. And we're in Egypt and there is going to be struggle. Jesus said that. And I think it is such a important passage when you're thinking about life in this world, you will have trouble. But do not fear, I have overcome the world. And this plan for God, God put in place with the children of Israel in Egypt, he does overcome the world. But that overcoming is not is not something that just happens as a giant magic trick. That overcoming involves struggle. And every great story uh, it, it has struggle in it. Every great story in human history has overcoming in it, has becoming, and has making life something that is something to be had and something to chase after. He says, so Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there, and they grew and they multiplied exceedingly. I want you to see that God's plan for his children in the land of Egypt and God's plan for you is for you to grow and to multiply exceedingly. It's for you to take possession of the land. It's for you to take charge, take control. We're Sure, we're sojourners in this world, but that doesn't mean that God's not going to give us great authority. That does not mean that God's not going to give us great power. That doesn't mean that God's not going to give us great influence. That doesn't mean that God's going to, just because we're in the world, we're, it's, it's not like the world is prison. It's not a prison for us. In fact, it's a land set before us. He's going to give Joshua in the promised land everywhere he steps his foot. Now, that's not going to take place in Egypt because it's not all ours. But God does give goodness. He does give you wonder. He does give you the things that are good in life in Egypt and uh, the goodness of Egypt. And there is goodness in Egypt. In fact, they pillage Egypt when they leave. There are good things in Egypt. And uh, they do pillage it and take it with them and use it actually as... Um, as part of their temple, as part of building the temple. It is a place of God's placing us there. We're there for a reason. And we're in Egypt for a reason. And we're in Egypt for what? We're in Egypt to, to have what God gives us, our possessions, and to multiply exceedingly. This world needs us. We're the engine of God's grace that directly affects the world. Sure, there's common grace all over the place. There's common grace at work everywhere in the world, but we're the engine. We're the engine where God's God's direct, God's personal grace affects people around us. And so we're to multiply exceedingly. Multiply not only in our own people, but multiply in those who are of the world, but God saves out of the world. We're, that's the plan. We're to be a light to the Gentiles. We're to make a difference. And he says, and Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. Notice he comes out of it. He comes out of Canaan and he comes down to Egypt and he's 130 years old. And he's basically, when he's talking to Pharaoh earlier in this chapter, he's basically saying, I've had a rough life and life's been tough. And uh, I just come down here because I didn't want to starve. And uh, I don't know how long I'm going to make it. 
And that really, if you read it, that's the old Southern country way of saying it, but it's the truth. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I've had a rough life. When he gets to Egypt, how long does he live? 17 more years. He lives a lot longer. And there's so many people that I, I deal with on a regular basis. And for what, whatever reason, it might be a, some kind of physical problem, might be a, some kind of physical struggle that they had. For whatever reason, they have really struggled in life. They may have been told that they weren't going to live very long. Pastor Terry was told in his late 40s that uh, he didn't have long to live. And that doctor must not have known how long long was. I don't know what that means, but he's lived a good long time after he was told he didn't have a long time. To, he's lived almost ha a double his life since then. Not quite, but a good 60% more of what he had. Because of that, you don't know how long you have. And you don't know what opportunities avail themselves. And I look forward to my 50s, just like I have really enjoyed my 40s. And I expect my 50s, 60s, and 70s to be very productive times, great times to, to see God's hand at work, and great times to see the, see the power of God change the world that I live in. And that expectation of not only growing in my possessions, what God places me over, notice, Notice our possessions are not our own. God's, we're bought at a price and everything that he gives us is a gift from his hand. But those possessions and those opportunities to be in, in your later years, as well as I do, most people don't gain a lot of possessions. They have to spend everything they have when they're younger, especially when they have young children. Their possessions increase exceedingly when they get older and their opportunities to influence the world that they live in grow exceedingly as they get older. And you know what, to tell you the truth, the issue that the church has today, and when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the church in America, is that we have a lot of congregations of older people who are just existing as a congregation, and they're not they're not using the great gift that God has given them of their old age to build the kingdom. I'm proud. I've told people over and over again, we've got several couples that have been married more than 50 years in fact, we had a couple this weekend that had been married way more than 50 years. And you go, way, what does way mean? One year more than 50 years is way more than 50 years. If you've been married 50, 60 years, you're, you are, you have, you've been blessed beyond, beyond anything you could have imagined when you were young. And we have those people. The thing about it is when we have something going on, they're always there. When we have when we have new things happening, they're always there. They're cheering for those young children that are coming before the church and saying their memory verse. They're cheering for the young people who in their accomplishments in junior high and high school. They're cheering for what God is doing in and among his people. And they are expecting us to take possessions of the world that God has placed us in and to take control over it and to walk in it. And that's powerful. That is powerful. And they're not trying to figure out how to do church the way they've always done church. They're trying to figure out how to do church in a way that's going to reach the world we live in. And you go, aren't we supposed to do church a certain way? Yeah, there's certain things we're supposed to do. There's certain things that are absolutely fundamental to how we do church. Obviously, we do church with the Bible being the, the, the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He's the bread of life. And we do what we do through the bread of life. But that being said, Paul said when he Paul said he became all things to all men that by all means some might be saved. What did he do? What did he say? He understood the culture. He understood the people that he was dealing with. He went to different places and he he figured out how to share God's grace in the culture that he was in. And I love the story of him going into Athens and uh, seeing the statue of the to the unknown God and him using that in 
in the very the very most elite place in the whole world for thought and discussion. And he used that illustration to, to show to them that not only pantheism was not true, but, but monotheism and that there was only one God and that one God had a plan for them. And he, he, his plan was, was culminated in Jesus Christ. He spread the good news to the Athenians and to the Greeks by using their culture and understanding who they were. And that's what we have to do. Now, that doesn't mean that we compromise our message. We don't compromise our message. And that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we have to be like the world because that's not what it's all about. That being said, there are proven methods that the Bible has taught us to use, and we use those methods in worship. We understand that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We understand that our singing is 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 leading us through the washing of the spirit and, and preparing us to place our own selves on the altar. No longer do we need a sacrifice that's of goats and donkeys. We've got a final sacrifice in Jesus Christ, and he calls us to give our lives as a sacrifice to him, not a sacrifice in that we die, but a sacrifice of, of our work, our faith, our hope, everything we do. And then we enter into the temple and we see the bread and we see the bread by the oil of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit sheds light on that bread and we begin to behold Jesus and understand who he is. And that's why we spend time going through God's word and studying God's word, thinking about God's word. And we go through it verse by verse because we don't we don't eat it in, in separate little crumbles and crumbs. We eat the bread all together. And then eventually, once you've eaten of the bread of life, once you've had that nourishment, once you've seen God and seen his purpose and seen his will for your life, you enter the Holy of Holies and you go to that altar and you, and you make God your first, your primary, and you tell God that you are going to walk in what he's revealed to you. That process is a process that you see in almost every church and whether no matter what music they use or no matter what I guess traditions and what liturgy they use the most important thing is to have true worship of God celebratory worship and then ultimately to have the bread of life and the Holy Spirit revealing all those things and all those things being led and guided by the Holy Spirit because he is our we do those things as a church and we do those things and reach the culture that we're in and we do those things ultimately so that we can increase our possessions of grace in the land and to multiply exceedingly for our church to grow so many times you you hear of churches that don't want to grow they like their they like what they've got they're comfortable let me tell you something if you do you think you would be comfortable in the presence of Jesus Jesus comes in the room do you think you're going to be just totally comfortable with Jesus I don't think you would be and let me tell you something if the very presence of almighty God came into the room I know you wouldn't be comfortable there's no way to be comfortable there's no way to feel at home when God himself is present and so comfort is not a comfort is not a factor when we're deciding what we're going to do and how we're going to do what we do in church. Comfort's not one of those things that's a factor. What is a factor is are we doing it by the word of God and are we doing it in such a way that we're seeing our possessions of grace increase and are we being multiplied exceedingly? And if we're not, then we need to step back and assess what we're doing. If there are no youth or children that are having life change take place, you need to step back. If we don't have young couples who are struggling through life and who are struggling with God through life, need to step back and do an accounting. If we don't see older folks or middle-aged folks who are taking on leadership roles and really beginning to walk 
in the fullness of their grace. And I'm talking about people 40 and older. If you don't see that going on, need to step back and take an account. If there's nobody taking, if there's nobody in their 40s and 50s taking up roles of responsibility and walking in those roles, you need to think about it. What what's going on? They've walked through the hard times of life of their teens and their twenties and thirties, and now it's time to begin to use those things that God has taught them to build the kingdom. If they're not taking on those roles and those responsibilities, there's a problem. And then if you've got those who are in their sixties and seventies, if you don't have them serving and showing up and giving that wisdom and that understanding and giving us an understanding of how things ought to be done and how we ought to walk in those things, if you don't have that going on, there's a problem. And the problem is that you're functioning in such a way that you are not going to grow in God's grace and you're not going to multiply exceedingly. And God's desire is while we are in Egypt for us to grow and to multiply exceedingly. Uh, While we're dealing in this world, boy, the grace of God needs to be available. It needs to be at work. It It needs to be flowing in the body. And there needs to be an expectation of it, by the way, also. It's not one of those things that we're working to try to make happen. It's one of those things that we ought to expect to have be happening because we're going to show up and do what God's told us to do. We're going to show up and be who God's told us to be. It shouldn't be one of those, shouldn't be one of those things that, that we're working toward and we hope happen one day in our church. And as we look around, we go, why isn't it happening? When you do what God has told you to do and the way God's told you to do it, and when you focus on the things God has told you to focus on, he's going to move. He's, it's not like he's playing hide and seek with his will or his way. He's got ways and he's got a will and he's got things that he expects to happen. And if you don't have those expectations and if you don't have those desires, there's going to be a problem. He's not going to show up. We're not asking God to join us in our work. We're trying to figure out how to join God in his work. And boy, I done got on a hobby horse today. And and when you're older, and that's who we're dealing with here in Israel, when you're older, wow, you need to expect that you're going to have a lot of time to serve God. Israel served God in Egypt for for 17 more years. And you ought to expect that your days ought to be long and numerous and that, and that you're not just waiting it out. You're not out there dribbling at half court, running the clock out. You need to be, you need to be in the battle and in the work that God has for us. And boy, I praise God we got that. I praise God that I see that every day at work. Older people who are excited about God's plan, excited about God's work, and expecting to be a part of God's work for a long time to come. Boy, when you get 60, 70, and 80-year-olds who are expecting to be a God, part of God's work for a long time to come, you got something good going on. And that's what we need. That's what we need. And that's what the church needs in general. And so I would say to you that if you see those things that we've I've discussed today going on in a church or you see those things happening in a body, you need to invest. You need to invest. You need to get involved. You need to get in there and figure out where your place is and what you're to be doing. Because I'm going to tell you, you, nobody is in the body for no reason, okay? Nobody is in the body for no reason. Or said positively, everybody's in the body for some reason, okay? Everyone is in the body for some reason. What's your reason? What's your purpose? Why are you there? What is God doing for you? That being said, if you know it, get after it. If you don't know it, Get in there and let some of us 
who have been walking with God for a while, who've seen God's hand at work in many people's lives. Let us encourage you. Let us watch you. Let us help you. Let us show you the things that God could do for you and you enjoy it yourself. And if we do those things, let me tell you something, God's always going to move. God always moves when God's people act in faith. He always does. He's a faithful God. He's a good God. He's a good friend of ours. And so I pray that'll be the case for you today. I pray in the name of Jesus that he'll bless you and keep you in the times we live in. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.